hearts in your shame Pictures and treasures and the books that we read What's in your shame? What's in your shame? Hello, my name is Warren and tonight I'm joined by Hannah. We'll be learning about the objects Hannah has brought and the stories and memories these items hold. Welcome to the first full episode of Season 3. If you've been listening to the other episodes, welcome back. And if this is your first, welcome to you. I hope you enjoy it. I can see what Hannah has brought in. She's put them on the table in the middle of the shed. We're in the shed tonight. How amazing. I guess we couldn't be in the garden really because it's not even raining is it's it it's just it's kind of like sort of drizzly yeah fog yeah and it would even if we had a cover it would drift in from all sides and i was worried about some of the things you're bringing in that they'd get really damp out there there'd be no way of keeping it dry that's nice of you i'm not particularly precious about any of this stuff even though i brought it here tonight as my as a treasured <laughs> object but that's not <laughs> But that's funny, my treasured objects, I, I'm not particularly precious about. You'd probably want to disagree if you saw most of them are still in their boxes. That's, yeah. But I really don't mind anything, you know, if the card, the backing card gets bent over or something like that, I don't mind. And I've got a cabinet with lots of toys in, and the kids come in and will open the cabinet and readjust things. I'm not that precious about books either, funnily enough. Yeah. I, I don't mind if a book looks well read. So I'm, I'm glad you're not too precious about it. I but was, it's nice to be in the shed anyway, because, uh, yeah, it's really good in here. Yeah, good. And the sound will be much quieter, I think. Yeah. But actually, there's not as many birds around. I've noticed in the last few episodes, I didn't hear as many birds singing. I wonder if it's because it's nearing winter and they're heading south or well, something? I guess so, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they've had enough. <laughs> but I've seen what, what you've brought in, Hannah, and I'm, as always, genuinely excited about the objects you've got here, and I'm excited to find out more about these things that are on the table. Cool. Desperate to say what they are, but I'll wait, <laughs> I'll wait. We'll get there. I need to be patient. Before we delve into the treasures that I see here before me, I'll plunge into the mailbag. And guess what? There's one message. No way. Yes. It's not even from me. I thought about (laughs) sending one as well. And then I was just like, then you would have to answer my question while I was here. But I haven't done that. So so don't get too excited. Oh, okay. It's not not from me. But saying that, I haven't checked the email since yesterday. And I found this message... Could actually, be stuffed full of, well, of unanswered messages. <laughs> you never know, but we'll answer those next week. Unlikely. <laughs> I, I, I'm grabbing my phone over here to access the shedchat at gmail.com account. And the message is from Dominic. Thank you, Dominic, for writing. That, that's amazing. And your question is great. I love it. Here we go. Every episode, I'm left wondering what item would I myself bring into the shed. After much contemplation, I had greedily decided I'd need a double episode, two items, on my two favourite childhood things. Good idea, Like an hour-long special, or two hours. Yeah, judging from how long these are going, it would probably be three hours. A double bell, triple bell. Amazing. Great idea also, and also I'm really chuffed that he was thinking 
while listening of what items he'd bring in. Yeah. That's great. Some items I'd thought about, I discounted as I don't have them anymore. Do you have any special items that have been lost along the way that would feature prominently in the shed and in its own podcast if you still had them? The item that I thought of, Dom, was my Redline BMX bicycle. That I, it was chromoly, which was silver, and it had the logo written in red. It it was beautiful. One of the thin frame BMXs, they they quite big, a lot bigger than the the modern BMXs. They got the normal size cogs. I think I see the modern ones have tiny little cogs. The front one and the back one are teeny. I think it's the ratio, so it probably doesn't make much difference with the pedaling. But I had this Redline BMX, and I bought it from a friend, Gary Peterkin, who I spoke about. <laughs> who had everything I spoke about <laughs> in a previous episode where he had the the special, the black Coca-Cola yo-yo. Yeah. We had these creepy, crawly, blow-up, like seahorse-type things that we used to bob around the swimming pool on. They were called creepy and crawly. You've got a white ones and blue ones. They actually came with a pool cleaner called creepy crawly. And when you bought the pool cleaner, you got those inflatable, like... They were almost shaped like bananas, like really bendy bananas. Yeah. And you could sit on it in the pool like a horse. <laughs> we got them because my dad was the... My mom and dad were caretakers in the flats. Yeah. And my dad looked after the swimming pool. And every day he would have to go check the the chlorine levels and the acid levels and do the backwash and all that. And our reward was to get those creepy crawly toys, blow, inflatables when he because he did all that work and you were allowed in the pool yeah yeah oh cool so we we used to run from the edge of the pool and jump in and stay upright sometimes if you fell over you could lift yourself up yeah right yourself and you'd you'd get up again gary peterkin of course had like some limited edition (laughs) inflatable i bought his bmx and he gave it to me for a really good price really yeah i started off with a giant bmx which my dad got me and Giant back then was not that popular. It was a bit like it was the cheaper brand now. Giant is quite a big bicycle brand. And Gary was selling this. And I remember saying to my parents, like, I really want this bike. Can I pay half and you pay half? And we struck a deal and I got this bike. Then computers became a popular thing. And my friend James Harper had an Apple IIe computer, or was his dad's, and his dad was selling it. And I wanted to be able to contribute to getting this computer because I was keen on playing games like Oregon Trail and Atom Bomb Attack. (laughs) They're really basic ones, and I had a black screen with green... Yeah, you have died of dysentery. That was the Oregon (laughs) Trail. That's (laughs) that's the one, that's the one. And you pick up, like... Weapons and firewood. And, yeah, and all, all those, those like text-based adventures are so good. Mm. Did you play that one then? Not that one. I, I'm sure I've come across it. I don't think I've ever played the Oregon Trail, but it's like a it's a legendary game in like text-based adventures. We pl- I remember like playing The Hobbit or something on the ZX Spectrum, and it just being like head-bangingly frustrating because you'd be like, uh, pick up the you know pick up the 
jar and it'd be like I do not understand the word jar <laughs> you know all that sort of stuff and I never got anywhere with it there was a really weird game that was like like that where you were the Thompson twins you know the Thompson twins they were like a pop band I've not heard oh, of them. I wish I could remember like one of the they're like an eighties hair pop band. So they had like like typical eighties hair. Could they be on the top of the pops? For sure, like the Thompson twins. Okay, well we'll we'll put in a clip right here. Doctor Doctor. Just stick that in right there. Doctor Doctor That's them, I'm sure it is. I, oh, I wish no. that I knew, I don't know. Anyway, there was a text-based adventure where you played the Thompson Twins and you had to go around on a desert island and try and, like... And you had to, like, climb trees and get... It was weird. Wow. But, like, obviously probably one of the best games of its type. You don't get games like that anymore, do you? I'm sure they, they properly advance now when you... They look like you're in a film, don't they, these... These adventure yeah, games. You would, so. this, these, nowadays, you'd act, you would actually become one of the Thompson yeah. twins, wouldn't you? And you can wear VR goggles and things. Yeah, and I don't you, think you, I'd like that as much. No, scary. How? So we bought this Apple IIe computer with all the games on, and I sold the BMX, got some money and contributed towards this computer, and I sold it to a bicycle shop called Westdean Cycles. And it was on a very busy road on the outskirts of Johannesburg. I remember going in on my own and I took it in and the owner of the shop said he'd take it straight away. And I, I should have taken that as a warning because he was too keen to, to take it off my hands. And it was a beautiful specimen, lovely yeah. bike. I always wanted the E.T. Kuhara BMX from the E.T. film which I think may have been a mongoose BMX. And the red line was very similar. Also, the same level. It was a great BMX. And Dom, I really miss that bike. And I'd love to talk about it. And you know what I think I'm going to? I think I'm going to have an episode where I'm going to talk BMXs. And we'll talk about that bike, even though I don't have it. It's gone. It was one of my biggest regrets. The Apple IIe computer is gone. Imagine I still had that. Yeah. It great. That was a lovely object too. But yeah, there, there you go, Dom. I'm sure there's others. I'm sure there's lots of other toys and things that I don't have anymore. And to tell you a secret, most of the stuff I have is re-bought. So it's replicating things that I had when I was a kid that we got rid of. And I've uh, sort of all trickling back. Yeah. There's the odd uh, Star Wars figure that I the original ones, the one or two Masters of the Universe things, a couple of Thundercats things, but a lot of it is, is re-bought. And we gave things away when we were kids because my dad, for a time, grew up in an orphanage and he he was really keen to donate things to orphanage in Johannesburg. And we we did that and we were really happy to do so. And we got rid of most of the... Um, A-Team stuff, Thundercats things, Ninja Turtles. But I'm in such a fortunate position now to be able to, to buy them all buy back them again. All back. Yeah. So they, they arrive in dribs and drabs. I, I've just um, taken delivery of a Nintendo Donkey Kong game. The Game & Watch game? Yeah. And oh, it's, nice. It's the double screen one. Yeah, yeah. The clip's broken, so I got it for a bit cheaper. And it's in a drawer inside, and I completely forgot about it. 
and I haven't even put the batteries in and tried it. Those things are crazy. Like, when you think about the games that kids play now, those games were just, like, going left, right, up, mm. down, jump. Jump. And, and it was the same game, and we would just play it for, like, six hours straight. And clock it. So when you clock it, it goes back to zero, your yeah. score. I'll give that a go. Thank you, Dom, for your lovely question. See how much conversation it it creates. So so nice to hear from people, and and like I always say, even if I don't, I'm still really happy. People are listening and engaging and thinking of their treasured items. So thanks again, Dom. What happened last episode? I was joined by Simon, where we chatted about his skateboard deck. That episode gets the prize for the longest title. I keep trying to remember the order. It's actually up on the ceiling of the shed. I've, I've got a bicycle attached to the ceiling and the skateboard is slotted in behind the wheel. It is the Steve, Steve Caballero Bones Brigade Powell Peralta reissue C, Series 10 skateboard deck or something. It's got like a massive name. Did I that all said, fit in to the thing? I think I, I must have cut it. I, I don't think I said Steve Caballero. I, I called it Caballero. Anyway, I always forget the order, but that's the longest title. And yet again, it was a magical night. It felt like we were going on a mega cruise on a warm, clear night on an endlessly smooth surface. I love recording each and every one of these episodes. It's always an adventure and a great night out that is documented for anyone to enjoy with us. And that was one of those nights. I'm going to introduce Hannah to you now. And obviously Hannah's been chatting a little. And for those of you who've listened to previous episodes, Hannah came and did the Casio VL1 keyboard synthesizer episode did i've left that at home today sadly oh it would have been fun if you brought it in we We could could have have done done like an encore couldn't we a jingle or something hannah sent me my first mail to the mailbag and did one of the most listened to episodes yes yet which was the, the casio one hannah is also the second person i've met who's actually seen nirvana in concert but the best part is you don't remember the gig. <laughs> I've seen them twice. Twice? Actually. No way! You didn't tell me that. Yeah, I saw them at like a festival. I can't remember what festival it was. Probably Reading. Like within a year. Yeah, once in maybe like 1990 and once in 1991. I think Reading was... But yeah, of course I was drunk. Like once was at like Nottingham Rock City and I, I remember the venue, but that was probably because I'd been there a lot. But I don't remember the gig at all. I mean, that, that doesn't matter. And I think that makes it more rock and roll. I mean, you were there. I've got the tickets, You stuff. don't. should have brought that in, shouldn't <gasps> I? Wow. I do, well, we yeah. I'll find it. I'll take a picture and send it to you. You'll like that, won't you? Oh, I love that. Have you got both the tickets? No. Well, the Reading ticket, no. Oh, I don't think you... so. Yeah, for a festival, you don't really get... You would have a wristband, wouldn't you? Yeah. But I don't think I would have kept that. The other person who who saw Nirvana was a guy I met when I was working in a tennis club in Darien in Connecticut next to the Long Island Sound and I was working as a a janitor cleaner while my brother was a tennis coach and I was helping paint the club empty bins work in the kitchen at night I can't remember the guy's name 
he told me he saw Nirvana in a small club, I think in Connecticut. And just the I, once though, was it? Yeah, only the once. And he said they were the best band he's ever seen. I, I don't know how much to trust that because you kind of have to say that, don't and now you? Now you do, yeah. Um, and every day I saw him, I would say, can you tell me about that concert? Please tell me what happened. Where, how did you go in? How, how long was it? Where did, and you'd give me a snippet every day of that. I mean, I like Nirvana, but I'm not like a massive Nirvana fan. Like, I'm, I would probably not listen to it now. Mm. So, I don't know. I, I, obviously, I feel like they've increased... Of course they've increased in popularity since, since they first came out. Yeah. Like, I'm not, like, a, a the big Nirvana fan. I like them, but I just happened to see them twice. <laughs> Sorry if <laughs> that's, that's really one. flippant. I end up in <laughs> I'm not a fan. I just saw them twice for, you know, it was no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm channeling that energy from you. I'm in the same room as someone who was there. And it's the historical significance of a band like that, whether you're a massive fan or not, they were important. Of course they were, yeah. We'll get on to Hannah's story right now, and this is so exciting. As always, I'll hand over to Hannah, who will talk about these magical items she's brought and the stories behind them. Thank you, Hannah. Okay, so I could probably have filled a bag up with stuff to bring around for this, which is which I'm a little bit, I've got to say... <laughs> It's kind of a bit embarrassing that I own so much stuff related to one film. So the film that I have brought some memorabilia to talk about is George Romero's, and I should say Dario Argento's as well, because he is, he's part of it too, um, 1978 Dawn of the Dead, which I think is arguably, like, the best film ever. I, I can attest to that I've, I saw it last I watched it well a bit I watched the last half an hour last night and I watched the first two hours the night before yeah and after the first two hours I was thinking just that I thought wow this is amazing yeah I wasn't sure whether you would have seen it when I said that that was what I was going to do so I'm glad that you've watched it and like I'm also like really glad I'm kind of glad that you had never seen it before because like that's really lucky for you that you got to see it for the first time I've seen it so many times I know that and when when I said to you I left a message for you on your phone and I said I've, I've watched it I left a voice message yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I raved about it on the message and your text reply was uh, lucky you for seeing it the first time yeah Wow, that is lucky. And there's so many things out there that you can still do for the first time. It's like plucking a fresh fruit off a tree. And yeah. there you have it. Um, and hopefully through like pod, people listening to podcasts like this, they'll, they'll come across certain things and go, oh, I should check that out or I should listen to that song. And then they get lucky and they can see it for, or hear it for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've seen this film loads. I, I did watch it last night after you'd watched it the night before because I was just like, I better watch it. I haven't watched it for a, a while it's before then. I think the last time I saw it before last night was maybe like five or six years ago. Um, but I've seen it so many times that I, you know, I feel like I could 
probably never watch it again. And How many times do you think you've seen it? I think it? I've seen that film. I haven't actually sat down and worked it out, but I, I don't know. See, I say it's a lot of times, but that's just relative to the amount of times that I would normally watch a film. I think I've seen that film 18 times. That's wow. just a complete guess. Is it that a lot? More. I think that's, that's not much, is it? Like when kids watch kids watch like a film eighteen times in easily. two weeks. There's a film I've watched a lot. is It's a film called Top Secret with Val Kilmer. It's by the makers of Airplane. Yeah. And I watch that with my friend Rich every Friday night throughout our univer a year throughout a year yeah. of university. And another film we watched on a Friday as well was a film called Friday. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable amount, Hannah. You could watch it loads more that's times. That's just off the want. top of my head. I don't know. It could be more. I would never turn it off. <laughs> you know, if it, and I, nobody ever watches stuff that's just on the TV. It'd be like, oh, look, Dawn of the Dead's on. Yeah. That's not how people watch TV anymore. But if it was, I would watch it every time. When was the first time you watched it? The first time I watched this film. So, like, I was probably... I was trying to work out how old I was. But of course I can't remember because I can't remember like anything that I did when I was younger. I, was, I, I, I definitely wasn't drunk when I watched it because I was like, like probably a young teenager. And we used to go. So there is a story behind the first time that I watched this. We I used to go to my friend's house around the corner, and she like lived. She lived there with. Her, I can't remember if her mum and dad lived there or if it was just her mum I don't know anyway but her mum used to go out and be like here's some here's some money go and get a video from the video shop and like she would go out to the pub and get like really drunk and stuff and we would just hang out in her house like watching videos uh, but like the village video shop would never ask for ID or anything so we could just get any <laughs> video yeah and it was one of those places where they it was a garage so it was garage slash shop and all the video things were just in these plastic sleeves so it wasn't the cases yeah it wasn't like the vhs cases might even have been betamax can't remember could have oh. been but you would flick through the plastic cases and it would have the sleeve of yeah. the video in there and then you would take the plastic case of the counter and they would not the case of the video like a flat thing so they could put like 300 in there oh wow do you know what i mean because they only had like a small like a rolodex type of thing that or, kind of thing okay. yeah i can't remember who chose this and i can't remember what the cover looked like and i wish i could because that would have been that would have been quite interesting to mm. know what the what the image on the on the cover was um, well, would it be the same just as to see the, which issue it was? I guess the poster that that you have possibly. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, so no, what, that poster that you showed me a picture of is the 1978 press release. Yeah, poster. so I didn't bring that with me. I brought this, which is the Japanese, um, a Japanese like press release book. I think it does have that in there. But yeah, I have so much memorabilia from this film that people have that someone sent me. I don't think it's in there anyway, but yeah, the one, yeah. With, the, the one with the head and it's uh, like a really sort of bold graphic top of the guy's yeah. head. Zombie. It, when it, there's no more room in hell. That's it. The, the dead will the dead roam the earth. Will walk the earth. <laughs> so yeah, we, anyway, we rented this video and we were probably like 13 or 14. Mm. And I had never, I'd seen horror movies, but I'd never seen a film like this before because it starts obviously this is the second part of what's technically a trilogy but they do stand alone as films in their own right mm. but but part of that is that when you start watching this film 
it's already started. Like you're right in the middle of the action. Mm. Like the, there's no build up. There's no like this is before the zombie apocalypse. Like it's already started and everything is already gone gone to shit. Yeah. Sorry, mum. That's all right. <laughs> Don't think my mum listens to your podcast. Well, she, might, she might do. Sorry, Warren's mum. No, my mum loves it and she doesn't mind the swearing. And she she actually said to me this evening, I called her. She said, More before. swearing. Can you ask your guests to swear <laughs> more? <laughs> I wish. And she said, Tell Hannah I'm a big fan. She, Did she yeah, say that? And yeah. then I said, Shit. <laughs> and again. And twice. No, she'll love it. for a penny. My mum's a, a bit naughty. She, she won't mind. <laughs> Have we actually said what the film's called? Sure, did I say that it was did Dawn of the Dead? That would have been a terrible introduction if I didn't. Of course Hannah said what the name of the film was. She did a wonderful introduction. It's me being silly and not remembering what she said. I have no excuse. My mind must have gone blank somehow. However, this is a really good opportunity for Hannah to say a little bit more about the director of the film and the other films that he's made before she goes back to talk about her first time watching Dawn of the Dead. Sorry about that, Hannah. I can't believe I doubted that. But here goes. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead. So Dawn of the Dead is the second in George Romero, who's the director, the second in his trilogy of dead films, yeah. although he did make more after that. So did he, what were they called? The Walking Dead? Or? No, that's someone else. He, the, he did Land of the Dead, and then he did like it. it really, it really went downhill. I don't mm. like. I don't like to talk about it. You know. Now he's dead. I'm like, don't want to trash his trash his work. Yeah. He died recently in 2017, was it? He or? did. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Um, but yeah, he was a he was mm. cool. George Romero was cool, and like, so I think some some of the films that I like of his, they're really good sort of by accident and also I think they're good just because of like I don't know they're not necessarily like genius movies mm. there are parts of them that are like very like there's a lot of I don't know where I'm going with that I think I, I think having watched it I thought it's a horror but it's not scary it's quite funny in parts yeah he's not trying to make things look too realistic like the zombies themselves they've got some like basic makeup and they're all doing classic zombie stuff aren't they where they got their arms out in front of them and they're going like yeah they're really walking setting the zombie benchmark aren't they it's a little bit like over the top in parts but that's funny and i think that's perhaps why it's got that cult status because it's just so bizarre um when when you see the zombies, this only happens right near the end when they're actually eating the flesh of people because he waits, Romero waits for ages before he actually allows the viewer to see that. Yeah. And when you do, it's it's just so weird, isn't it? Like yeah. the, the blood is is not quite the right colour and and their faces are kind of blue. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's very it's very cartoony. I think that was on purpose. I can't remember the reason behind that. Yeah, it must be, and I quite like that. I don't really like it when they try and make things look too real, especially when your subject content is zombies. You know. Yeah. So, but then again, there's. There's some great zombie films, I'm sure you know. I'm only new to this whole zombie genre. Um, that there must be some zombie films where they try and make it much more realistic. Oh, yeah. We brain, we brain, 
back to the story of when I first watched this. Yeah, it's yeah, not okay. the greatest story of all time, but it, it but yeah. So yeah, the one I watched, there's two versions of this film, which is interesting. So this was made by George Romero, like in in association with Dario Argento, who's like a like a, a very well known like Italian horror director, and they. There's, so there's two versions of it in existence, which is why... So two of the things that I've brought tonight are the two soundtracks that are available. I think there's another one that might be, like, a combination of the two. So in... it, It's known as, like, the European version because it was released in every... Every non-English-speaking country got this, which is zombie, and it's, like, spelt zombie but without the E. This is the Dario Argento version, and this is the soundtrack to that version which is by um, a band called Goblin like a prog rock band called Goblin who are just so good it's one of those really interesting prog rock bands that you know when a band sort of obviously all bands are more than just the sum of their parts but like bands that that, where there's more than one of that band in existence and it's yeah. sort of like they they splinter splinter off and the band is just sort of like an umbrella term for just like gangs of people there's different members and they kind of like do different different stuff it's quite common isn't it in like prog that you see all the prog like family trees and everyone was in everyone else's band but anyway <laughs> uh, Goblin are a, are a band like that and they did the soundtrack to this they do did a lot of work with like Dario Argento If you've ever seen Suspiria, is that that? That's uh, Dario Argento, and that's just been remade. Tom York's done the soundtrack for that, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, Goblin did the soundtrack for that as well. Oh, the original one. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I went to see a a showing of Dawn of the Dead at the Union Chapel in London, where Goblin played the music live, which was really, really good. Yeah, about five years ago that was. Um, and that was probably the first time that I had seen the the European cut because that version only has Goblin's music on it. So the the version that you probably saw and the one that I'm most familiar with, the one that I would have seen first, has uh, a bit of this music and a bit of this music as well. Ah. So the other soundtrack is pretty much just um, library music. So it was just stuff that you could buy yeah uh, that had been licensed to a production music company and just put it in like any anything um and this music is also like really good yeah so but yeah that seeing the seeing goblin play at the union chapel with with along with that that was really good and that was the first time i'd ever seen it with that soundtrack um and the one i watched last night when when i went to put it on last night wherever i found it uh, we ended up watching the um, the European cut at first I thought it might have been like in Italian but it wasn't yeah and it's really interesting because it's a, it is a different movie there's only like probably six to ten minutes difference in like what what's taken out or left in so yeah. there's some bits that are kind of cut I think Dario Argento cut out a lot of the more uh, sort of silly stuff. Yeah. The, the custard pie fight is still in there. <laughs> That's, That's great. still in there. Um, but he cut out a lot of the stuff that might have been seemed to be a bit more sort of tongue in cheek. Yeah. And it's a little bit more serious. Okay. Like in that way that Italian horror is. And it's, yeah, it's definitely darker because mm. of the soundtrack. This soundtrack is a lot more, there's like some real like funny bits in mm. this. 
And there's also some like really good like electronic music in this as well. Um, and when did you get these CDs, these two? Did you go out and buy them, or were they gifts? I bought these. So this this came out on a record label that I on Trunk Records, like um, which is a record label that releases a lot of like old film music. And it was it was two guys I think who'd gone done all the research and like tracked down all of Mm. the music from all of the incidental music from the film obviously everyone knew what that was but all of the production music the library music they i guess they must just have waded through catalogues of library music until they found out what it was and it was two guys who'd done it as like super fans of the film or just Mm. the music of the film and compiled this collection of music for the first time and then they were just like okay yeah we'll release it and they released it on like i think it's out you can get it on vinyl my brother's got it on vinyl um i was so excited when this came out just because i i listen to this sometimes just and it is really creepy yeah i don't Um, know if you ever listen to like soundtrack music when you're out and about i like listening to blade runner the, the new one 20 yeah yeah 2049. is that Van, isn't that i i think oh, vangelis did the, the original one, one yeah and then the other one is it's not it's not hans zimmer oh, is it I don't, I don't know and then music like ennio morricone to the good the bad and the ugly and the yeah. mission and all of those i like listening to because it reminds me of the film I suppose when you listen to that, do you remember the film? Do you think of the film? Yeah, for sure. Like, and there's like this is yeah, this is really evocative music as well. Because like all of these pieces of music, like the good thing about production music and library music, which is another thing that I've got from this film. Like, I'd never, I would, don't think I would have ever like come into contact with that mm. kind of music if it wasn't for this. Like, it's it's really interesting to me that there are that people write music to evoke like a generic mood because mm. that's what they did these composers they would just be like now i'm gonna write something that evokes surprise and now i'm gonna write a piece of music that is like funny and like and it's like a gen it's the it's not like when people write music and it's very personal these people are writing music to just sort of try and like really capture a mood and yeah. that's really interesting to me and they when you look through like some of the old um uh, LPs that they will be they won't have names they'll just be it'll just be like Creeping Dread and, <laughs> and I really like that yeah. I think that's like such an interesting way to listen to music mm. um, and obviously it's it's a really good way to to put music to a film if you need to kind of like need to find the right music so that's really interesting to me that there's two versions of this film and the main thing that's different about them is the soundtrack and it makes it so different like you know the content's the same but the soundtrack's different there's not there can't be many films where where that is the case where there's like two existing cuts of of a film there is one that we showed for cinema under the stairs we did a horror festival called shocktober and our first film we showed was in the ultimate picture palace just off carly road and I can't remember the name of the film. This is unbelievable. However, there's an Italian version of it. The the horror film itself is set in a cinema. I can't remember what it's called. Oh dear! This is pull that need. up. We, we need we need Where someone to pull that up. <laughs> the name of the film is Demons. In Italian, Demoni. 
It is a 1985 Italian horror film directed by Lamberto Bava and produced by Dario Argento, starring Urbano Barberini and Natasha Hovey. I mean, that was a heavy night. I remember Simon and I, who, who run the, the kiosk, we call it, where we sell hot dogs and popcorn and things. We didn't need to do anything because it's all catered for in the UPP. They yeah, don't yeah. do popcorn. They said we could, but we were like, no, we'll have a night off and ended up going into Big Society, which is the pub next door yeah, yeah. beforehand. And there was quite a few people who were going to watch the film in there having a few drinks. And we had a few drinks too. And it was a, it was a heavy night. And I ended up sitting down the side aisle having a, a bit of a snooze <laughs> during the film. Anyway, in the in Big Society beforehand, there was a guy wearing the T-shirt for the film. He said to Simon, which version are you showing? And Simon was like, it's the Italian one with the subtitles. And the guy was like, yeah, this is great. I'm so happy. <laughs> I've traveled all the way from wherever it was. He, he had traveled really far and, and I'm so excited. Turned out... It wasn't it that was... version. It was the English dubbed one. Oh, no. Anyway, we didn't see him after... Did he uh, leave, didn't... you think, in, a, in disgust? I think it was such she, a he great... He should have really found out, shouldn't he, before he came all that way? Yeah. But I'm desperate to find out about your first time. It's not even the greatest of stories, oh, but it is. On, but sure I do remember good. it like really well because I was like, "This is the best film that I've ever seen." And I don't know whether my friend at the time appreciated it quite as much as I did. But I, I think I would like stay over when we'd watch these films because her mum wouldn't come back till late. And we watched this film, and I remember getting woken up by her mum coming back late at night and they lived in a bungalow and like hearing her mum like come down the side of the alley and I was just like that's that's a zombie <laughs> for sure and so we had like this hysterical like classic like teenage girl hysterical moment where we were just like we we're gonna die um but yeah, anyway that was that was the end oh. end of that um, that friendship ended badly, I think, because, yeah, her mum... Uh, uh, I think her dad was a policeman, and I ummed and ahed about whether I should end the story with this, because, like, what, imagine if... I haven't named who it is. They'll never like, find the, Yeah, they'll never find <laughs> It's not even that bad. But, like, I think she ran away from home, and her dad was a policeman, and she... And she like, the mum, her mum got... Got her dad to ring me up and be and like th basically threaten me in like a police kind of way. Oh. Going, Where is Claire? There, I've said it now. She's yeah. gonna know that it's her. Don't worry, not many people listen. Well, there's some people listening. It's not like massive. This won't. Yeah, exactly. Claire and then I would, and even at, at that young age, I was just like, well, this this is horse shit you know the police can't do that and I didn't know where she was anyway and I was like don't know where she is she'd run away from home her mum had been mean to her or something and then I wasn't allowed to see her anymore oh, imagine that that's so strange it's weird they needed to pass the blame onto something didn't they they needed control over something so they probably decided to limit yeah, I don't remember being particularly devastated. Though, yeah, so. well, you got to watch. I've got film to watch the, the film time. out of it. Yeah, which I probably yeah. wouldn't have been able to watch at home because yeah. it was. It is an eighteen. 
I probably wouldn't show my kids. They're only nine and six, but it, it's it's funny how things change. Where that was an eighteen, but now I don't. I think younger kids could probably I watch it. I keep wondering when I can show the kids this yeah. film because I'm like, it's not even that bad. It's not even that scary either, is it? I don't I think don't... so, but you never know, do you? Interesting when you were talking about your friend's mum came home and she sounded like a zombie. How? zombie law and zombie culture has infused our modern culture to a point where we say things like that person was walking around like a zombie even if you've never seen a zombie film or even you don't even know much about zombie activity or things or culture or whatever Everyone knows like as how a zombie would move, wouldn't they? Yeah, so. zombies have changed though. Because I was thinking about this as well yesterday when I was watching it. Because like you do say that, don't you? Shambling around like a zombie. Mm. But zombies nowadays are like they're really angry. Are they? The, <laughs> yeah. In this dawn of the dead, they don't seem that. No, angry. they're kind of like you. Kind of, they're not even threatening. When you, when I was watching it, because like now you don't if you you don't watch The Walking Dead or anything like that, do you? Or no. Had, have you ever watched it? I've not watched it. And and modern zombies, like the remake of this film, it's got zombies that run in it, which is a thing that's been like a development in zombie stories where zombies can now move really quickly. Because in Dawn of the Dead, they were slow. No, they're, yeah, they're just slow and they're not even like looking at you. They're just sort of like staring at the sky and they're yeah. sort of like pitiful. You don't, Like individually, they're not even menacing in this no. film and the, th the threat from them comes from their th the numbers of them and their sort of relentless quest for food yeah and that and the, you can't reason with them you can't be like oi yeah get lost <laughs> I mean how do you kill a zombie so you kill a zombie by disabling the brain don't you so you have to get a headshot in you have to destroy the brain or remove the head. Okay. In Dawn of the Dead, they were a bit laissez-faire with that because at first I, I tried to work out what was killing them and it was when they shot them in the head. And then later on, they were being like hit with a hammer in the chest or pushed into a water fountain. Oh, they just get pushed over a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I don't think you were expected to imagine that those had died. Oh, but one gets chucked didn't... off the, the thing. Like the zombie gets picked up and they chuck him off the over the railings into <laughs> yeah. into a fountain below. So yeah, you could just kick him over. Yeah, and and one actually had the top of his head chopped off by the helicopter blade. That guy, yeah, that guy's great. He's not in the Italian version. I think they must have thought that that was too funny because oh, it is wow. quite comical. It's one of my favourite scenes. Very good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he, stepped, he steps up onto a box and the top <laughs> yeah, of his head yeah, comes yeah. off. Even the helicopter in that film is cool. I don't know anything yeah. about helicopters, but that's a cool helicopter, right? Yeah, very, very yeah. good. Hannah, I see there's there's another amazing item on here. It's a knitted doll. Yeah, so I knitted a bunch of zombies from Dawn of the Dead, and I think it was for like some kind of online craft swap. Hmm. And I knitted all these zombies from Dawn of the Dead. And at the time I had a blog and so people found out that I knitted these zombies and I ended up like knitting zombies and movie characters and like selling them in my shop. So um, 
the original ones I gave away, and I gave away like a, a quite a few. I've got some left. I can't remember. They're not all zombies. Some some are like uh, other like horror characters. But this guy uh, is the only one that I ever kept, and he he is like one of the characters from Dawn of the Dead. He has a very small part in it. He's one of the motorcycle raiders that come into the the shopping mall, and sticks his arm in a blood pressure monitor to test his blood pressure. Well, in in the midst of uh, absolute carnage, the carnage of a, of a raid on this mall where they're just <laughs> looting it, basically. Um, under attack from all mm. sides from zombies. And he gets his arm ripped off and he sort of looks a bit shocked about that. Um, and I felt like I'd really captured the essence of this guy in, in the, and I, I could never bring myself to, to get rid of this one. Because I was just like, oh, there's something really pleasing about him. He's got a bit of pipe cleaner there as a bone. That's his bone. And it's a red out. pipe cleaner. His arm got ripped off while it was in the blood pressure machine, didn't it? It did, yeah. yeah. It's his own fault. He's an idiot. Why would you do that? I don't that? know. I don't know how he'd manage to survive on the road that long if he's going to be... He was probably drunk on, like, mole booze because yeah. they got all that stuff. And apparently in the film, those were, like, from a bike, biker chapter they call it and those were actually their motorbikes were they really yeah, i didn't yeah, yeah. know that so they yeah. were proper bikers and this particular character you've knitted a beautiful sombrero hat yeah and that's got a bit of an embroidery on there not known for my embroidery really but so well, perhaps it's... that's why i didn't want to get rid of it and this mouth actually his mouth he's got a red o felt mouth yeah. that is made of felt from the pool table at the star <laughs> wow and this is a, a pub on rectory road yeah. is it rectory road in oxford how did you get the felt off the pool well, table we used to live there didn't we and then when they come and change the felt on the pool tables they just leave it behind oh. so i had loads of it how often and do they change felt on when pool they get tables? worn out and stuff yeah so they're rent rental tables so oh. like basically when they start to look shabby they just rip the whole lot off and change yeah. it i never thought about it. I, I obviously they'll need to get changed because sometimes that felt doesn't look like felt anymore. It gets really kind gets of It's really smooth. like bald, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so they rip it all off. And then <laughs> out of like however many yards and yards of uh, felt that was, I saved exactly that amount there, like half a centimetre little O. He's a beauty. But yeah, I just felt I kept him because I was just like, I can't, I don't think anyone will like like him as much as I do. He's just a bit of a character, isn't he? Oh, Hannah, hang on to this forever. He's He's so cool. Love him. I like his black hair. And his little eyes, that looks like amber, little amber beads or something. Yeah, those were from, do you remember the shop Bead Games down at the bottom of Cowley Road? Yes, I do. They were from there. Wow. Oh, that's so nice. And yeah, then... so I kept that. And then on the back of that, the sort of like, as I was talking to, I was talking to you earlier about how people find your content. Like if you write about like quite specialised things, eventually you attract like all the the nerds yeah. of that genre so like eventually like the dawn of the dead people found me and i ended up uh, with the, i think i made i made a set of shawn of the dead figures for a guy oh where is he from so shawn of the dead is shawn of the dead is the film that simon pegg and edgar wright and um what's the other guy nick frost is that his name i don't know nick frost isn't the guy from crime watch is he have i got him oh i don't up? know we definitely need it <laughs> pull that up <laughs> pull that, get the guy to pull that up no his name is nick frost it definitely is okay um anyway that that was their like zombie film 
Um, was it a was it a satire of Dawn of the Dead? It, the the storyline wasn't really anything to do with Dawn of the Dead. I think they just kind of like took the title but they did yeah. use some of this music like I remember going to see Shaun of the Dead at the at the, at the cinema and being like super yeah. excited because I loved Spaced so much Yeah, and it was basically just like zombie Spaced and I was so looking forward to it coming out um, and, and then the very opening scene of Shaun of the Dead they use one of the tracks off this I think it's I don't know what it is now you're trying to read that. I'm is trying it? to, yeah, oh. I'm trying to work out. I can't tell from the name of it. Anyway, they use one of the tracks off this and it's just so atmospheric. I was just like, yeah, this yeah. is going to be the best film ever. You mentioned Shaun of the Dead and you're trying to explain so, how... So, yeah, I had been knitting these characters and... Um, selling them and a guy had got in touch with me and he wanted me to make him some of the characters from Shaun of the Dead which mm. I did I did like Shaun and I hate myself for not remembering what the girl in that movie is called I haven't seen the film the girl that... from Shaun of the Dead <laughs> pull that up that would be Kate Ashfield as Liz um, and uh, and the other and the other guy that could be Nick Frost as Ed. He wanted me to to knit him them, those characters, and he sent me a bunch of this stuff. He sent me like a massive parcel of Dawn of the Dead stuff, all the way from like Minnesota, and in amongst it was this book, which I've brought here, which is The Zombies That Ate Pittsburgh, which is quite a rare book. And I looked it up. Well, I knew it was rare when he sent it me because I read this at university when I should have been doing my work because they had it up at Brooks University in the library. Um, I would have read that. I mean, I, mean, I, I say of... I read it, but I, as we both know, I haven't read all of this book. Yeah, so The Zombies That Ate Pittsburgh is basically just a, all about George Romero's films and it goes it only goes up to Day of the Dead because that's like when it was written. That's up to when it was when this book was written, sorry. Um, and then there's some old movies of um, George Romero's. He did one that was remade, and I can't remember the name of it now. There was like a sort of vampire movie called Martin. Some some kind of like medieval Stonehenge on a motorbike one. You can tell that I'm not like a proper nerd <laughs> of this movie, um, of his of his work, I should say. But yeah, I mean, we should talk about the the trilogy of Dawn of the Dead. Are you going to go into that in the history? I'm not. No, I didn't realise it was a trilogy. I, I yeah, watched so the the one I watched, 1978 version, Dawn of the Dead. It ends on a, a weird point. If you haven't already seen the film, you may want to fast forward or block your ears because here comes a little spoiler. Francine says to Peter, or Peter asks Francine, have you got enough gas or fuel for this helicopter? And she says there's a little bit left or something and then they fly off and I think well what's going to happen does that mean they have to land somewhere nearby and yeah the zombies and you, and you never know them? never yeah. find out so I thought there must be another one but I didn't investigate any further yeah but when but and that's another reason why this film blew my mind because I'd never seen a film that didn't end where it wasn't like oh, yeah. it, it was because you know it just carries on that little sec section of that story is finished, but the story itself is is still carries on, doesn't yeah. it? And it's, they don't. You never see them again. They're not in. They uh, don't. They don't turn up in Day of the Dead or anything. But yeah, I saw this 
first, obviously, out of all of those three films. And I didn't see Night of the Living Dead, which is his first first zombie movie, mm. uh, for ages after that. And the first version of that that I saw was like a really horrible... Because that's black and white, that. It came out in 1968, Night of the Living Dead. Wow. Um, and it was filmed in black and white because of the cost of that, I think. It was just the, for budget budget reasons. I think it was, anyway. Um, and the version I saw had been colourised, so it was really weird. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen a colourised no. black and white film. I've know. seen old war, World War Two things where they add colour. Yeah, it's just really disconcerting. Mm. But, um, but, yeah, it was a long time... A long time after that I saw that, and then... In fact, I probably saw Day of the Dead before I saw that. So Night of the Living Dead, that starts, and it's already started as well. So, like, this this woman and her brother turn up at a graveyard to put some flowers on her mum's grave, and it's already started, and all the dead have risen. They end up holed up in this uh, farmhouse. Mm. Um, her brother gets killed. It's full of spoilers, isn't it, this, I should say. And then, <laughs> and then it's just her and this other guy that turns up... Um, in this farmhouse and it's all kind of about how the th- the the threat it's like a theme that runs through all of his films mm. that the threat isn't actually the zombies that what actually leads to the downfall of the human the living characters and is always it always comes from the the conflict between yes. the 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 people that are alive so it's like the the you know they're the least of your worries yeah um, it's like a theme that runs through all of these three films that sounds really interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely watch them, and then for the first time. Yeah, How lucky is that? Day of the Dead. <laughs> I watched that fairly recently, and it is so gory. Mm. Like some of the special, it's worth watching just for the special effects in that are like cracking. Like really, some really good stuff. Like someone gets their legs ripped off. There's like, it's like really, <laughs> really well done for the time. It was made in like 1985. And if you think about some of the special effects in films that came out at that time were shocking. Yeah. Um, but, but Day of the Dead is like a masterpiece of gore. Wow. Um, in, in like a good way. Not like, I, you don't really watch a lot of horror films, but like some modern horror films. Modern, like Saw, I was going to say. That's I've not modern. Saw. But yeah, I mean, it's, it is a contemporary horror film. It's mm. not modern. I don't know how old it is. It's, that's probably like 10 years old, isn't it? The first one since that came out. Yeah, I went on a Saw ride in Thorpe Park. Did you? And I saw the film. I, I, I saw the film Saw. <laughs> that's so weird. I'm watching Game of Thrones for the first time because Matt said yeah. that you watched that. Uh, we are having a chat. We had a long chat after we did the Dungeons and Dragons episode. I thought, well, I'll watch that. And Joe and I are watching it together. And we watched season one. And I actually thought while I was doing research for this episode that the special effects in Game of Thrones aren't that great considering in 1978... They were able to show like limbs getting ripped off and things yeah. without any yeah, yeah. CGI. So I think these films have have done a great job of using n- normal things, not computerized images and and so. Yeah, on. yeah, like real like old fashioned special yeah. effects. So yeah, Day of the Dead. It's like it's definitely uh, earns its credentials just from that. I think it's like a real like artfully yeah. done, like lots of like you know just people getting torn apart and stuff and it has that has a really good soundtrack as well so that's a good one too 
but yeah, the, one of the guys who was in Day of the Dead is now uh, one of the writers and special effects and producer guys of Walking Dead. So it, he came from that as well. Wow. He was in it. He was in Day of the Dead. So like quite a young guy. Um, Greg Nicotero, I think his name is. Oh. Um, but yeah, he does The Walking Dead now. So he came out of that. And that was one of the film wow. first one, film special effects films that he worked yeah. on as a special effects artist. Well, when I watched Dawn of the Dead, I, I felt I was watching like a trailblazing kind of feature where they set the standard for zombies and, and what it was to be a zombie you know what I mean and I yeah. felt like this was the the oracle this was the beginning like a almost a zombie bible he did invent that that kind of genre of zombie he, he definitely he created that because before then and I don't know whether this is true because I haven't read the encyclopedia of zombie movies that I, don't, <laughs> no, that I probably either. do own that someone's bought me at one point or another that I've never read like to the best of my knowledge like zombies before then were depicted in like a very different way and it was always like kind of like West Indian uh, sort of like voodoo. Romero just made the zombies just like you know sort of Western people. That's interesting and and that voodoo thing came up in Dawn of the Dead where Peter talks about his grandfather who was into voodoo yeah and his grandfather told him about hell being full I don't know the exact When line. there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. That's there what you says. go. And they're all standing there in their fur coats. That's <sighs> such a good scene. I had to go back a few times to to listen to that again and again. And then I only realised that was the catchphrase for the whole Yeah, that's film. the tagline, yeah. And that all relates back to voodoo. Uh, that's That was his take on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, fantastic. And I felt... This was a great introdu introduction to zombie films. Like I say, I, I have never been into zombie films at all. I watched Zombieland, which I think you may have recommended oh, some Zombieland time ago. Oh, Zombieland is great, yeah. So it's much really fun. Really good. And the nice thing about Zombieland is it brings up all the the zombie rules. About yeah. That, and it numbers them one, two, three, and you go to like 20 or however many it gets to. Yeah. Do you know how many it gets to? I don't know. No, I don't know. Um, and I love that. It's almost like the, the vampire rules where you have to... A vampire can't come in unless you invite them in. That's right, yeah. Things yeah. like that. They they did that in Scream, I think. When Scream got like really in the at the end of like the Scream series, I don't know what that went up to. It kind of got really sort of like self-referential, and they ended up like doing their own kind of like rules of horror in that, oh, yeah. and then getting picked off according to those rules like within the film. It actually, I think Scream the first one was good, and then it, and then the last one was good. They get to make the rules, don't they? they yeah, yeah. Like, this is our topic. Sure. So much fun, and if you haven't seen Dawn of the Dead, anyone who's listening, it, it's amazing. And you will be lucky, like I was, to see it for the first time. Yeah, even though you've given away the ending, haven't you, as well, Horan? Oh, do, do you know there's an alternative ending that was never filmed for it because they thought it would be too bleak? And that was that Peter was going to shoot himself yeah. with that tiny little gun yes. that, he, that he has. I actually, I was surprised when he didn't. So, yeah, he... he he shoots himself and she just stands up in the blades of the helicopter yeah. and what and it and her head explodes <gasps> Francine I really liked and she's what's, great what's her name is Galen Ross yeah do you know what I loved about her 
was that she never screamed. Yes, I know. Do you know what? I think that was that was her as well. That was on her, the actress, going, I don't want to be like one of these pathetic people that need saving. And she's calling that because she she knows that that guy who is like the father of her baby, that he's a dickhead. But obviously they need him to drive the helicopter. Yes. And then there's a bit in it where she's just like, you have to show us how to drive this helicopter. And he gets really narky because he knows, he knows that she knows that he's a dick. And I believe Galen Ross said, I'm not going to scream. Is that, that's the thing she said that? I she think said... I've read that somewhere where she was, she specifically didn't want to play like somebody who needed rescuing at every turn. And yeah, you I see her like good. up on the top of that building and she actually, she does. The first time she shoots a gun, she shoots a zombie in the head but he's all, the zombie's already bitten Roger yeah because Roger's lost his head a bit hasn't he and goes off Roger's on. done for he's infected isn't he yeah he gets bitten twice just in case you weren't sure yeah so the thing about zombies is if they bite you or get their hands into you and rip your flesh you, yeah. you get infected and or even in 28 a... days later that guy gets a drop of blood in his eye have you seen oh, that no I haven't seen that yeah he, they're in like a it's, that's good that's I mean that's a stressful watch <laughs> you know some films are just like oh 28 days later is stressful to yeah. watch it's good though it's a good film like they go to and it's, it's they are, I don't know where they are like some like petrol station or something and he looks up and there's like a body above him on this and it just a drop <gasps> of blood just like falls oh, into his eye done for and that's all it takes yeah. and then he's just sort of like get away from me that does sound stressful. Yeah, it's stressful. Just a drop of blood in the eye. Hannah, that's been incredible. Thank you very much. And I can totally see why you love the film and why you love these objects around it. And especially the little doll you made. I, I, I think that's amazing. <laughs> it just makes me so happy that watching a film when you were that young and a number of years later, you still love the film and you've got so many interesting things to yeah, talk about of this collection of uh, could open up a little museum couldn't i i've actually got the dawn of the dead board game <gasps> as well wow. that i bought because i was just like this is going to be good and it wasn't i think me and matt played it like once and it's terrible but like it's got a great box and i can't bring it's only that thick so it's sort of like oh, i can't get rid of it because it's just too you know what am i going to yeah. do i could sell it is it that bad? You can't really play it? It's, yeah, it's not good. Are they good pictures? Good art? The, the cover of the box is good. Yeah, that's what sold it. That, that's what, that's <laughs> it. Keep it forever for no reason. So yeah, I've got this collection of Dawn of the Dead stuff. Sounds amazing. And maybe we should just try play it at some point. Or, Do you think or, so? Yeah, mm. I think one person is the zombies and one person is, is everybody else. Mm. Don't know. Or we could play a, a zombie game on Halloween where we, we walk around the streets like zombies. You run the risk of someone killing you, though, like Bill Murray in, uh, in Zombieland. Where oh, you yes, know what he's... yes, of course. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yeah, it's a dangerous game in the, these days. Yeah. Because you never know, do you? No. What? Oh, what? So Columbus is the scared one? Yeah, he's like a little bunny. I'll get him. What's this? No! No, no, it's okay. It's okay. I got him. 
<sighs> Is that how you say hello? Actually, before we conclude this section, there was one thing that stood out for me in The Dawn of the Dead. Well, there are many things, and it's, it's that it's set in a shopping mall. And I, I absolutely love the fact that they explained why these zombies went to shopping malls, because it's, it's an instinct for humans to go shopping, and they'll do what they instinctually did when they were yeah, alive. Yeah, that was like Romero's like commentary on American consumerism, because obviously that was like right in the middle of like mole culture, and everyone would just go to the sh- shops at the. I mean, people still yeah. do that, don't they? Still go shopping at the. Weekends. Well, it was late seventies, going into monetarism in the eighties, where it all became like privatization, and everyone went a bit crazy yeah. for for buying stuff. And I found that really interesting. And I, I always imagine, try and imagine what I would do if I had the run of a shopping mall and I could get into any shop. What would I take? What would you try to grab? I don't know. What would I... I don't know. Never thought about that. But I was just thinking when you said that, the bit in that where he slides down the escalator. You know, there's a bit <laughs> where he just goes down the middle of the escalator and there aren't any of those bump things on there. So no he can bumps. just slide all the way down from the top to bottom. I don't know what I would take, but I would yeah. I would want to do that. I definitely would, and I'd probably like to do that thing where one of those bikers grabs... Smashes a TV. Oh, he smashes a telly because one guy says to him... (laughs) What are you going to do with that? Yeah, and he thinks, well, I may as well just smash it. Yeah, I would like to smash some stuff up. Yeah. I would like to go into a shop like Decathlon, which is that big sporting kind of warehouse, and jump on trampolines. And just throw all the balls around. Exactly, just kick all the balls, go on rollerblades, skateboards, ride bikes around... I think lots of films have done those scenes, like Gremlins, for example, they're in a toy shop or whatever, and the Gremlins driving around in a remote yeah. control car, and it captures our imagination. I think the film is fantastic, and I'm so happy you chose it, and you've got this collection of things, <laughs> and this only this appears maybe to be half of that collection. Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff that I could have brought, but... I don't want you to think I was a, a big nerd, Warren, with my massive collection of Dawn of the Dead memorabilia. Well, somebody sent it to me. I didn't buy it all. <laughs> but you've kept it. I have, yeah. We're all nerds and I love it. <laughs> Let me talk about the history of Dawn of the Dead, the 1978 version of it. First of all, you can watch this on YouTube for free if you've got internet and a computer. Is it on there, is it? It's got different versions. So you've got the the extra long length one, 2 hours 34, which is the, the one super I watched. The supercut. The supercut. I watched that one. And I don't think they could have cut anything out, but obviously they did to get to the other versions. But it's there, and you may as well watch it. Well, you should watch it. Yeah. yeah. The storyline of the film is the zombie apocalypse has hit Earth. Two personnel from a TV station and two SWAT team members set off in a helicopter to find a safe place to hide out. Their search leads them to a shopping mall where they manage to find a place that, while not zombie free, is quite secure. So far, so good. I looked up what SWAT means because we always like bandy around that term of SWAT Special team. weapons and tactics. Is that what it is? Hannah, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's brilliant. Okay. That's my SWAT background. Excellent. I didn't know that and I, I thought I'd look it up. <laughs> the, the original SWAT team consisted of 15 four-man teams 
the concept of a small group of highly disciplined office, officers utilizing special weapons and tactics to cope with unusual and difficult attacks. Whenever I think of a SWAT team, I always think about people like abseiling down a building and smashing through the windows with their feet. Do you exactly. know what I mean? They, that's what they did all the time. That was yeah. their signature entry, wasn't it? Like ninjas with loads of equipment. That's how you know it's the SWAT team if they come in like that. Yeah, some trivia from the film. Oh, cool. Extras who appeared in the film were reportedly given one dollar in cash, a donut, and a Dawn of the Dead t-shirt. That's that's probably the going rate, isn't it? It's quite good. Well, I would, I would have done it for that. Easily. And the thing is, if you kept that t-shirt, I don't know if you could keep the donut... But if you kept the T-shirt, it would probably be worth quite a lot. And I looked this up on eBay. I thought, I'll, I'll try to find out how much one of those original Dawn of the Dead T-shirts cost. You can't find them. And like a 1978 Dawn of the Dead T-shirt, they're not available. Did they're you look for any, any of the donuts? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was filmed in Monroeville Mall in Monroeville, Pennsylvania. And you can look on YouTube. There's a couple of videos there. It's still there. Yeah. yeah. My friend went there and bought me like a gift voucher from the Monroeville Mall, which I've lost. It's oh. in amongst my collection of stuff. And it did actually used to have an ice rink on there because there's an ice rink in the movie. Yes, there isn't is. There? And yeah. they use it as like a target, a shooting range. Yeah. Um, and But that's not there anymore. That's something else now. But the, the, the mall is still there. Yeah. And they, they, they have, like, uh, conventions there, and they do, like, zombie-themed stuff there because of the people who go there because of that. Like a pilgrimage. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. The news. What are the real zombies? This news article had a number of things that were the real zombies. And the first one that I, I liked, and I've seen a David Attenborough narrated nature program about them. These are zombie ants. And I don't know if you've heard of zombie ants. I don't think so. They are called... Well, this is the fungi that cr causes them to be zombies. And the fungi is called Ophiocordyceps. And it's a genus of fungi, or fungi, I don't know, fungi and fungi? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, potato. That, <laughs> that has more than 200 species, and mycologists are still counting. Many species of fungi can be dangerous, often because they are toxic to animals. But there is one thing in particular that makes Ophiocordyceps especially frightening. These species of fungus target and infect various insects through their spores. If you think of an ant, their outer exoskeleton or whatever it is, right, ha isn't perfectly sealed. It's like your skin has tiny little pores. Pores. That's it. Yeah. Uh -huh. So the fungus gets into those pores, and it infects them, like you would be infected if a zombie bit you. Or ripped at your flesh. And then what happens? After infection takes place, the parasitic fungus takes control of the insect's mind, altering its behaviour to make the propagation of fungal spores more likely. Isn't that mad? That's crazy. Ophiocordyceps feed, I'm doing the inverted comma sign, on the insects they attach to, growing into an 
out of their bodies until the insects die. And Hannah, look at this picture here. You can see an ant and you can see the the fungi. It's grown like a stalk. Is that it, that long thing? That long oh, thing. Oh, that's so creepy. Grown out of it. It's taken control. Oh. Gets weirder. One of these species, Ophia cordyceps unilateris sensu lato, specifically infects, controls, and kills carpenter ants. These ants are native to North America. When Ophia cordyceps unilateralis infect carpenter, carpenter ants, they turn them into zombies. The ants become compelled to climb to the top of elevated vegetation where they <laughs> remain affixed and die. They just climb up and just... They just... climb up to the highest point and I suppose that fungi that needs to grow needs more light or something. Oh, that's so creepy. The high elevation allows the fungus to grow, there you go, and later spread its spores more widely. So the higher it gets that ant to go then the spores can be dispersed more widely. There's a movie in that, isn't there? Of humans uh, climbing up to the top of mountains. Well, they're zombies, that's yeah. it. Zombies. Just infected with mushrooms. If you were worried that zombies weren't real, there well, are real Well, that's put my mind at rest, because I was worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Recommendation. It's a bit naughty of me, Hannah, but I know that you wrote a book called Evil Nest. <laughs> <laughs> Dead. The cover looks amazing. Yeah, I'm showing Hannah the cover now. You know it, obviously, because it's you. Yeah. And there's 20 projects for knitting some of these zombies. So if you want to knit the zombies like uh, Hannah's done, the, the object Hannah's brought in, you can get that book and it's on yeah. Amazon and you can find those patterns and uh, do you have to be good at knitting to do it yeah you do okay. i wouldn't say it's for a beginner like when they asked me to write that book i was just i'm gonna write 20 of the best knitting projects ever and like they're gonna have sound like and light they'll light up so i, I mean there's one there's a tentacle that might be good for a beginner but it would take a long time to make if, yeah. they were all very ambitious projects yeah Okay, so I'd recommend if you don't know how to knit, learn how to knit first. Yeah, or just, I don't know, just enjoy the knitted objects without having to knit go. them yourself. Well, it looks like a great book and I'm tempted to, to get it myself. I'll lend you mine, Warren. In America, that book was called Knitmare on Elm Street, which wow. I found annoying because I don't like puns like that. I'm not, not into it. Like, they named that book. They were just like, do you want to write a book called Evil Knits? And I was just like, fine. I think Evil Knits but... is a better name. They gave, they told you the name of the book. Yeah, and they were like, we want you to do Freddy Krueger. Because I'd knitted Freddy Krueger, but like this, in this kind of style. And, and you're like, holding up that doll. This, from... Yeah, it, using the basic like shape of this doll. Mm. Um, and I didn't want to put this pattern in the book. Because they were like, we want you to put that in there. I was just like, I don't want to. Because mm. I was still selling the figures yeah so I just wrote 20 other projects and they were like we want you to do Freddy Krueger so I did a Freddy Krueger glove puppet and then obviously because they couldn't get clearance for the name which I don't know whether they even thought about that before when it went to print 
he was called Ferdy Kruger, which I also found annoying. Oh, that is annoying. Yeah. Ferdy Kruger. Just leave it out if you can't give him his proper name. The other recommendation, because that was just a, a little bit of fun, <laughs> and obviously for real, if you want to do it, do it, is to grow an avocado from a seed. And the reason I'm saying it is because Joe has been doing that. She's She saved a couple of avocado seeds and she was watching a YouTube video on how to do it. And we've got them on the windowsill in the kitchen and you spike, you use three cocktail sticks. Yeah. Which, funny enough, Anya calls cottontail sticks. Oh, that's cute. That's very sweet. And you use three cocktail sticks and you that's to hold it around on top of the a jar so it doesn't fall down into the opening yeah. of a jar and you fill the jar with water and you allow the water to touch the bottom of the seed and the seeds are suspended from the top there but you've got to make sure you don't spike the seed in the wrong place or they've got to be in the right place so you don't damage it and you can grow it as an indoor plant should be quite fun I love avocados I like the taste I know it's not for everyone um, and I like the way it, they look, you know, this massive seed or uh, you wouldn't call it a stone. I think it's called a seed sits on top of this water. And I, I've got some great avocado stories. One, the first one was about my granny. Her name uh, was Diane, but we called her Dooney. And she lived in, in Scottborough for a while, which is in Natal, south of Durban. She had a lovely tropical area avocado trees grew really well there she had a couple in the garden beautiful big avos came off that tree and you could also buy them on the roadside at traffic lights big bags so big green net bags amazing there would be like 20 30 avos in there for really cheap and you pull up to traffic lights and you can grab a bag of yeah, avos cool. a big part of growing up in south africa was avos i love avos and then Pearl Jam did their self-titled eighth studio album, the eighth of 11 albums, with on the cover was a cut-open avocado. Not the greatest album cover, but a really perfect avocado. Yeah. Uh, the other story is that I stabbed my hand trying to get the avocado seed out. Of oh, no. Album. So I cut an avo in half, and the seed stays in, and you pull the one half off and the seed's in there. And I held the avocado in my hand, the part with the seed still in. And instead of taking the knife side on and whacking it in and then twisting the knife, yeah. I stabbed it in. Oh. And it slipped off the slippery seed yeah. and stabbed me in my palm of my hand near the web of my oh, fingers. No. That was a fiasco because it, it hit a nerve and I had to get that reattached and then it got infected and I had to go in again. That no, was you don't hold a grudge against avocados. No, I so, still love them, but the doctor said something ridiculous. He said, oh, it's a very middle-class injury. And I was like, it's an avo, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I get it. Avos are quite expensive and especially if you're not living in a country where they're grown, it can be quite a premium food item that I don't care. It's the last thing you need is again yeah. the avocado shamed yeah, by a doctor so. when you've just stabbed yourself. <laughs> exactly. But they fixed my hand <laughs> and the NHS were brilliant and I, I got I got seen to, which was great. And the other one was my friend James Harper had a jar, an empty jam jar, whatever, in his kitchen, and he had this like avocado seed 
I, I say like it was an avocado seed floating in the water and the lid was on top and it had wrinkled and he said to me that's a cat's brain whoa and I believed him and eventually I said James come on that's impossible like how can you have a cat's brain <laughs> your cat's still alive where do you get the he laughed and he said you can make one yourself you just put an avocado seed in in a jar with water and it you can it looks like a cat's brain it's the right size it's like reminded me my nan used to have this drum uh that she brought back from some foreign holiday and rumor the rumor between me and my brother and my cousins was that this drum had a like dried up human heart in there (laughs) and that just reminded me of that i remember going over and staying at my nan's house and knowing that this drum was in the wardrobe and just being like that drum's got like a live human. Can you, can you imagine like boom, boom, yeah, boom, boom, like what a what a thing to tell a child. I know, and you believe it, won't you? Yeah. You believe it. Still if, believe wow. it now. I, I believe that was a cat's brain, and I, I felt it went nicely with this episode about <laughs> zombies and scary things. <laughs> Hannah, thank you very much for for coming back, and it's been thank you it's, for watching this film. <laughs> it's it's a pleasure, and I felt really lucky, especially after you reminded me that I, I am lucky, and it is so good to be able to spend an evening with you and chat about something we we both connect with and and enjoy so much. And yeah, thanks for having me. To see all the lovely objects you've brought in. And I guess I won't use my usual outro thing and I'll just say goodbye yeah. right now. Thank you very much. Good night. And treasures and the books that we read. What's in your shed? What's in your shed? Hi, Hannah. It's Warren. I am so excited for Saturday. It's unbelievable, especially after watching Dawn of the Dead. The version you, you've got the poster for last night. Incredible. It blew my mind. I love it so much. I wasn't going to tell you that I watched it until we recorded the podcast, but I, I just couldn't not tell you. It is such a good film. I loved every minute of it. I love zombies. I'd never seen that film before, and I've never been into zombie films before, but we'll chat about that, I'm sure. Incredible. It's like the the holy oracle, whatever, of zombieism. I, I think it is fantastic. Also, Saturday, 8.30, I hope that's okay. If, if if you want to arrive anytime from 8.30, that would be awesome. The side gate will be open. And if the weather's good, we'll sit outside. If it's not, then the shed if you don't mind it's quite spacious i'll have all the windows open but let me know if you if you don't want to sit in the shed and i can put a marquee up in the garden and we can sit on or marquee i wish a gazebo we could sit under that whatever you decide is cool i have no problem with that and yeah i'm i i just can't wait saturday is going to be great and 
that's all. That's all I have to say about that. Anyway, see you soon. Bye. Hey, Hannah. It's Warren. Um, I forgot to take photos of the Dawn of the Dead bits and pieces you brought in, especially the little doll. And I, I would love to get those photos and stick them on the What's in Your Shed Instagram thing, if you don't mind, that is. So is there any chance I could, if, if that's okay to, to do that, pick the things up from you and then I'll take them to my place and take a few photographs and then bring them back to you, if that's all right. Um, let me know. And if you're around tomorrow, that would be good. And then I could get those done. I, I completely forgot having too much fun. Anyway, thanks again. It was great. And hopefully catch up soon. Bye.